Today's episode is sponsored by Alone in the Dark. The highly anticipated new reimagination by Pieces Interactive and THQ Nordic. Play as Edward Carnby or Emily Hartwood to explore your environments, fight monsters, solve puzzles, and uncover the true secret of Dorsetto Manor. Our favorite heroes are brought to life by Hollywood stars Jodie Comer of Killing Eve and David Harbour of Stranger Things, who lend not only their voices, but their appearance and their formidable acting skills to the brave protagonists. Experience a deep psychological story that goes beyond the realms of the imaginable, all dreamed up by Mikhail Hedberg, cult horror writer of Soma and Amnesia. The team at Pieces Interactive is supported by monster designer and legendary Guillermo del Toro collaborator Guy Davis, as well as doom jazz legend Jason Conan, who provides his eerie and haunting melodies for the right atmosphere. Alone in the Dark is available March 20th on PS5, Xbox Series XS, and PC. Pre-order your copy now and escape into the dark. What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. What's up, everybody? Prince, also known as the Head Knight here, and you're listening to our hiatus episode. That's right. We have taken a month off from the show, as previous years, I suppose, but we are taking some well-deserved rest after an incredible 2023, just so we can come back feeling refreshed and ready to go for 2024. So enjoy the extra episodes from our Patreon-exclusive show, The Midnight Hour, and from some of our friends in the podcast industry as well. We will be back in the new year, 2024, and we'll be back technically in February, ready to go with the brand new month and some really cool different things with the show. We hope you all enjoy it, and we hope you like it just as much as we do. We worked really hard on it, and we're excited for the official unveiling in February. And in March, we have even something more special coming up to it. So in the meantime, enjoy the show, enjoy the extra content, um, and we hope you also enjoy our friends' contents as well. It might be your new favorite show, who knows? But overall, we're excited to see you in the new year, and we hope that all of you had a safe holiday. We'll see you soon. Hello, horror fan, best friends, and ghoulish nights, and welcome to the 39th episode of Murders with Mertens. I am your host, Joe, and this is a podcast about horror. Classic English horror bordering on giallo, but not quite giallo. Body horror, folk horror, sci-fi horror, the horror adjacent, thrillers, the psychologically terrifying, scary films in general. Each episode, I sit down with a guest and discuss one of their favorite scary films so we can gush about everything that makes it just so damned cool. 
Viewers, thank you for the support. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe if you are so inclined. It all helps to get the word out and bring some much-needed love to this little podcast. Audio listeners, the show is also available on podcast services around the world like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So don't forget to leave a rating when you stop by. Five stars is always appreciated. Enough of all that housekeeping, though, because today I have the privilege of welcoming back for his third appearance, Jose Ruckus himself. Brandon, how the hell are you? Oh, man, I'm super excited to be back on. Uh, this is uh, I feel like been a little bit a long time coming, but uh, I think we found a good film. We have this uh, track record of uh, doing the more thought provoking or more art housey uh sometimes more horror adjacent type films yeah, and uh i like to push the boundaries on uh what what can be horrifying because uh i'm i'm the kind of person who uh is scared by more psychological things than i am just like the guy stabbing people yeah uh, so i like i like to push the boundaries on this show a little bit <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I, I appreciate that because, uh, there are so many fun films like this that, uh, you know, you always get the people that say, Oh, I don't like horror movies. I don't like scary movies. And then it turns out that like silence of the lambs is one of their favorite films or, yeah. um, you know, uh, perhaps this film, uh, Tonight we're uh, we're here to talk about uh, this 1973 classic. It's uh, about to turn 50 in October. Uh, Don't look don't now. Know. Directed by Nicholas Rogue and uh, based on the story by Daphne de Moray, uh, um, you know, the author of Rebecca. That's like really all I know her from. But uh, holy shit, this is a film. Um, it, yeah, it's uh, ooh, it's really something. It's <laughs> Yeah, man, it's uh, been out of print in the Criterion Collection for a few years, and it's about to come back in with the 4K disc in October. So I think yeah, it, it actually just ran through theaters again pretty recently. Nice. Yeah, showing off that 4K restoration. So a lot of people got to go out and kind of re-experience this one. Well, this got a BAFTA for Best Cinematography and a ton of other noms uh, when mm. it came time for award season uh, way back when. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that's so much of the fun of this thing. You get all these cool shots of these deserted Venetian alleyways because it takes place in like late fall, early winter, and all the tourists have basically gone home. Um, it's just kind of unsettling. And in, in the yeah, uh, it makes it makes so much sense that this got a BAFTA for best cinematography because the camera work in this is fantastic. Yeah. The camera is always moving around the the blocking, just all the shot selection is just so well thought out that it's like, it's the main thing that I took away watching. It was just like, wow, that they're just like, move, like that camera is just like locked in like perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, got great chemistry, obviously between Julie Christie and Donald Sutherland. I mean, this film is pretty well known for, uh, it's infamous, uh, love scene, uh, which at the time kind of broke some boundaries. I mean, um, it, a little tame by today's standards, but, uh, yeah, it, um, yeah, I'm sure that drove a few people into theaters to see this. Uh, I like the way that it's shot just in that in order to get around sensors and uh, people that would, uh, you know, rave in uh, not great ways about it. Um, you know, you cut back and forth to the couple, uh, getting ready for dinner, 
uh, and everything. It's, it's, it's just very well shot. It's, it's, uh, more tasteful than I think people would have thought at the time. Maybe. Yeah. I was really surprised to find out that that was like that editing choice was sort of to get around some censorship stuff because it feels like it fits so much with what the movie's doing that like, I really didn't even give it a second thought that yeah. that's why it would have been there. Well, yeah, that scene comes off of the heels of like this, like 10 minute stretch of just like fairly mundane couple shit. It mm-hmm. is just kind of them just being a married couple hanging out in a hotel. Um, yeah. It, it, again, the chemistry between the two is, it's, it's so believable that they could be a married couple. Yeah. It feels like one of the most realistic portrayals of like a couple I've ever seen on film. Just the, they feel so natural together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and clearly they've been through some shit and are about to go through more. Um, yeah. Why, why don't we, uh, jump into it here? Um, it, things start off. You just got pouring rain in England, you know, like you do. Mm-hmm. And, um, the rain dissipates a little into fairly nice day and we've got this young girl uh christine she's playing with her army man out uh in the the backyard of this estate and uh uh she's got this ball that she's throwing around i don't know if she's supposed to be using it sort of like a hand grenade or what but that's what it feels like to me because uh this uh this this army doll's got a pull string and it's like giving commands and stuff and uh i don't know it's it's weird but um, one thing that you definitely have to talk about when you talk about this movie is the use of the color red, uh, you know, from mm-hmm. the yeah. little girl's, uh, jacket, her, uh, her Macintosh, uh, which is just this shiny red plastic. And then you've got the ball that she's throwing around, which is red and white. Um, it, it's just very striking. Um, and then we cut to her brother who I didn't realize was her brother until maybe my like second watching of the film because yeah, I was confused. Like, I was just like, is this just like a neighborhood kid? Right. Like, it's just around. Like I, it took me a little while to figure out exactly what he, what he was supposed to be. Yeah. He, he's very much the unimportant child <laughs> because everything's yeah, overshadowed. Yeah. Yeah. It's he, I don't even think he gets, no, he does get, a couple of speaking lines and it's just him calling out to his dad. That is it. That is all this kid gets to say, but, uh, yeah, he's the unimportant child and, uh, he's just kind of wheeling around her on his bike. And, um, we cut back to John and Laura, um, the Baxters, uh, in their stately manner, just kind of hanging out, doing couple shit, uh, from 50 years ago, uh, in front of this roaring fire, you know, really he's uh, doing a little bit of work. Um, He's looking over uh, these slides from a church that he's going to be restoring in Venice. And he's looking very intently at this slide of uh, the stained glass over the altar. And he sees this red figure uh, sitting in one of the pews. And it's at this moment that he kind of knocks over his drink. And you get this kind of bleeding effect. And... I, I, I'm not sure exactly how that's happening with the slide exactly, but you know, it's, um, it feels sort of yeah, like a bit of a premonition, I guess. Uh, yeah. It's so, it's so weird. And like, 
not necessarily the first time you watch it, not knowing where the movie's going, seeing like the red figure in the church is like, what? what, Because I mean, yeah, you assume it's the daughter there, and you're just like, why is what? What's going on? Like, the the movie starts off, and it's 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 just like already just kind of like being kind of weird. Yep. Yep. I totally agree. Um, he he kind of gets up a little flustered and. there John and uh Laura, they must be fucking flat earthers or something because they're talking about this pond and how, you know, well, isn't it supposed to be flat? And uh, it's it's so weird. It's it's just it's the first thought that popped into my head here. It's uh but uh yeah, just again, he's sort of distracted and she's, you know, kind of talking and he's like, uh-huh, yes, dear, that kind of thing. Um and all of a sudden he like gets up and has to, you know, sort of bolt outside. Uh, there's no real explanation. It's like, he's got this feeling, right. Um, and we, we go back outside to the brother who, um, manages to ride over this plate of glass. That's just in the yard for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, and you know, he's uh, got a little bit of the glass in one of his bike tires, so he's got it flipped over and he's got, you know, a little uh, like pocket knife or something that he's trying to, you know, fix things with. And meanwhile, he's not paying attention to his sister who's throwing this ball around and uh, into the pond, I think. And um, it's it's very unclear how she ends up in the water. You know, it's yeah, it's almost unimportant, really. but. It, it seems mm-hmm. very glossed over uh, because, um, I mean, he's trying to get this glass. The kid's trying, Johnny, the brother, is trying to get this glass out of the bike. And uh, John rushes outside and he doesn't see her at all. And that's when uh, Johnny comes running up to him, calling for him. And uh, John races off to the pond and just kind of wades right in and then dives under the water. And here's some of that beautiful, beautiful camera work again with all the splashing yeah. around and the slow motion. And uh, as he brings her out, um, yeah, God, it's just Donald Sutherland is just like absolutely crushing in this movie. It just like yeah. right off the beginning of this movie, the way he it's, um, he performs this like finding his daughter drowned in like, yeah, just such like bones. a guttural, yeah, yeah, like he's making these like upsetting noises, like it's mm-hmm. like not like it's it's not like pretty acting, it's like very like it feels real, oh, yeah. yeah, because you're you know quite liable to let out some sounds that are going to be fairly unsettling. If you find yourself in a situation like this, it's, it's, yeah. it's, you know, like really, um, very lizard brain, very animalistic. Right. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, he, he brings her out of the water. He gets her to shore. He makes this half hearted attempt to resuscitate her because I mean, he knows, he knows she's, she's mm-hmm. gone and, Oh yeah. Um, he picks her up and he just kind of collapses in the mud and gets her up again. And it's at this moment that Laura steps outside and just happens to look over 
and sees everything and lets out this scream. And I love the the scream cutting over to the drill in the side yeah. of the church and it's just, just uh, sound blending over. Mm-hmm. It's like mm, it's so good. Yep. Such great filmmaking. Yeah, yeah. It's um I, I I'm sure it had that type of uh, transition had been used before and it certainly has been used since, but it, it mm-hmm. feels really good in this film. Um, clearly some time has passed and now the couple's in Venice and, uh, where John is supervising the restoration of this church. I, I, I do appreciate that the film gets like right into this. We're like not even 10 minutes in and yeah. like already where we're supposed you, to be. The conceit of the film has been established. It's, uh, and they don't spend any time like really explaining things to you. They're just like, Hey, yeah. we're doing this, like catch up, get, get yeah. figure it out. It, that's like my favorite type of sci-fi personally, where, mm-hmm. you know, you get, um, it just some super, super grand universe or setting where, you know, there's a lot going on. There's a, a lot of different factions. There's a lot of backstory, but you don't get any amount of handholding with it and you get it. You know, everything you need to know from context uh, or if you're lucky yeah. and it's Dune, you have, you know, uh, some type of uh, an appendix to help you out. But, um, <laughs> but, but ultimately, yeah, I love stories like that where so let's just drop you into the deep end and you can pick this up. We're, we, we have faith. There's in no, it. there's no unnatural scene of John and Laura being like, well, as you know, I'm here to restore this church. Like we right. need that. Like, yes, that's, that's, we're that, I, I, in I, our grief months later. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, it's been six months since she died. Yes. 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 I've been in therapy through all this time and I have the pills to prove it. And yeah, yeah. It, it, there's none of that kind of stuff. It's let's just dump you in the deep end. We think that you're smart enough to figure this out. And uh, we are going to give you all the context that you really need to do so. So perfect. Kudos to them. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, uh, he kind of gives some direction to some of the workers and he takes off. He's, uh, joining Laura for lunch at a restaurant where she's been waiting, writing this letter to their son. Um, they kind of catch up a little bit and, uh, John's sort of distracted by this pair of women who are just staring at them kind of. And, uh, he, he, he gets this little bit of a chill. So he's got to get up and, uh, close this window. And immediately I think of my father, my mom and I make fun of him because he's the one who's always cold and, you know, like whether it's uh, summer in Michigan or winter in Florida, you know, it's the situation where wherever he is, there's always AC cranked, but he's always chilly because of it. And we always tease him like, oh, are you chilly? (laughs) And he's always got a fleece on or something. And immediately it's all I could think of uh with this situation so he goes over and he closes the window and it's one of those situations where you close that thing and because of it the way the air is flowing it it kind of forces the doorway to blow open and but it's also kind of like a spooky type of situation in which the doors blow open um, I love that it's uh, partially in slow motion there and you get, you know, that feeling of like when uh-huh. you're like, there's like a, a cross breeze going in a room and you go to close a door and it just like slams. Yep. It's always so uncomfortable. Yep, exactly. 
Uh, and as this happens, a bunch of dust and grit and stuff from the, uh, the street outside blows in. And, uh, of course the, uh, the, the, the ladies at the other table, uh, one of them gets something in her eye and, um, well, that's not great. Um, and they kind of get up to go deal with that. Meanwhile, John and Laura are still speaking. I think they're, uh, I think they're ordering at this point. And, um, yeah. and that's when, uh, the ladies kind of collide with them and we realize, oh, uh, one of them's blind. And of course it is very much a case of the blind leading the blind as, um, you know, it's the sighted sister that ultimately has something in her eye. Um, and they kind of almost walk into the men's room and, uh, Laura looks up and is like, I, I gotta go help these people out. It's, um, and, uh, it, I think we, we kind of glossed over here too. part of their conversation. She's writing a letter to their son, the son that we just don't. Yeah. Give the son's been sent about. to boarding school. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. and, uh, you know, she makes the comment about how, yeah, it's nothing really important. I'm just, you know, writing him a letter, you know, maybe you should too. Um, you know, write your own. Cause he talks about how, Hey, you could add in a little, uh, something for me at the end or whatever. And, you know, they talk about a few other mundane things. He talks a little bit about the church and, uh, yeah, I, I think she needs, it's, it's an important thing in the movie because like, uh, a, a recurring theme in it is the way that like men have trouble communicating and stuff. And it comes yeah. up in a bunch of weird ways. But it, I think it's a prevalent theme throughout the film. Oh, yeah. It comes back again and again. You're absolutely right. Um, you know, just, of course, his takes on things, there are the correct ones. His uh, yeah way of dealing with everything, that's the way that they need to deal with it. It's, uh, yeah, that does come up again and again. And, yeah, um, yeah I mean, it's absolutely... Uh, a, a storyline from 50 years ago. That's for sure. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, uh, I think she needs like a little break from this conversation and that's part of why she gets up mm. to go help these ladies. But, um, yeah, she, uh, wanders off to go help direct them. And, um, yeah, uh, she, uh, well, Wendy rather, uh, the, uh, sister who has something in her eye, she apologizes in the restroom for staring and, you know, Laura attempts to help get this massive plank out of her eye and everything. And, uh, and, uh, John in the meantime is just sitting there kind of staring out at the water and he thinks back to leaving, uh, rainy England. But I think this is, uh, maybe a little bit of a premonition as well at this point because this little I think it shot is. does come it's, back and it's just that um the way that like the water is like a foreboding presence in the movie mm -hmm. like water is like this like harbinger of death and like can you think of like a worse place to go <laughs> than if Venice? your daughter like drowned than a city that's like submerged underwater yep Yep. Uh, that's kind of perfect. I'm sure that's very yeah. intentional as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, um, I can't remember well, if we've seen interesting because I think the, sh the short story is still set in Venice, I believe. Yeah. But the daughter actually doesn't drown in the short story. Ah. Uh, I believe that the daughter dies of like cholera. So that's just an interesting kind of yeah. like 
the director's like decision to like make water a central focus of this okay. story is it's it's pretty interesting. That's cool. That's really cool. Um, when we have him thinking about this rainy scene back in England, do we see him in the car or do we only see Laura in the car? I can't recall. Um, I, I can't either. Um, I think it might just be Laura. Okay. Because if that's the case, then yeah, I really do think it is something of a premonition then. Um, but we'll get there eventually. Um, yeah. Yeah, so uh, we cut back to the bathroom, and um, this is where uh, Heather, the the blind sister, uh, she gets uh, a little personal with Laura, telling her that she's seen her little girl uh, with her and John back there at the table, and that she's happy, she's laughing, uh, she's all right. And this kind of uh, unsettles Laura a little bit. Um, And... I think she finally starts to believe or maybe uh, is feeling a little bit more comfortable with the situation when Heather mentions uh, her wearing her shiny Macintosh, the red uh, yeah. rain slicker. She, she mentions the, she, she like, that's, that's, it's just so, that would be so creepy to like, oh, have yeah. that happen to you. Just like somebody described the the jacket that your daughter died in yeah just thinking about it kind of like, getting it no, showing you at all mind. yeah right yeah. yeah it's just so oh yeah uh, it's so like yeah creepy yeah. and I kind of think that Laura maybe kind of swooned a little bit in the restroom at this point too because we mm-hmm. we we cut to um, Heather you know just kind of running her hands over her face and everything and uh, Wendy. Uh, waving something under her nose, you know, if, if it's not selling smelling salts, you know, she's giving her a bump or something like that to help wake her up. I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, um, they kind of say their goodbyes and their thank yous there. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's weird. Um, but Laura, Laura, the sisters are so creepy in such like a, it's I got I got a lot of David Lynch vibes from the sisters. Like yeah. the way that they play their characters is just so it's like it's like the old people ordering on drive. Yeah. And th- th- I was actually gonna bring that up because there's a specific scene in this because like the editing in this is so frantic. And there's a scene later on where um uh she's trying to convince John to go to the seance with her, and in the middle of their conversation, it cuts to the sisters laughing. Yeah, it it made me think of that scene in Mulholland Drive where it just cuts to the old couple in the limo. Yeah, yeah, it's I I love how that little flash of the sisters laughing is kind of there to kind of help you lean towards John's perspective of, okay, these, Mm -hmm. you know, they're 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 hucksters. They're trying to put over on you. Sinister. Yeah, they're 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 trying to make a buck from you over this or something something just isn't right with them but um yeah yeah it's just this over-the-top performance that's like bordering on comedy but just Mm -hmm. like not getting over so it's just coming off as like uncanny and just like mm, a little creepy yeah yeah that that's so much of this film it's just there Mm -hmm. to put you at unease i guess yeah it's this this movie's like all mood yeah (laughs) yep no plot just vibes um yeah (laughs) <laughs> oops all vibes yep yep um 
so yeah, uh, they, the sisters leave and Laura, she kind of gets up from the table. She's like, I need to stand up. And next thing you know, she's collapsing over the table. Mm -hmm. uh, and you've got all this like uh, oil and vinegar from the salad pouring everywhere. And it's like, yeah, that, that's not that going to come out of the imagery. <laughs> <laughs> You get this recurring imagery of like um, in, in this scene, like both like one, like uh, like the the broken glassware and like the spilling, like from when um, from when uh, John like dropped his drink on the slide or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then also like the like the mosaic tiles on the floor, too, which is kind of a recurring thing. Yep. Yeah. 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 A lot um, of lot of re the imagery is really consistent throughout the film. It brings, brings a certain vibe to it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, and, uh, from there we, uh, basically cut to a couple of, um, Venetian EMTs carting her off into mm -hmm. this, uh, little hospital boat. I love the hospital boat. Um, yeah, it's uh, a little ambulance boat, I guess. Um, it's, it's neat. Uh, and, and for some reason they, they put her in this room with a window to a children's ward. Um, you got all these little yeah. kids playing it's, um, and one of them has a ball with kind of like the inverse color scheme. Yeah. Of Laura's, um, that was a nice touch and they're like locking eyes as the kids playing with it. Um, yeah, Laura's in really good spirits at this point. Um, she tells John about uh, the, the the psychic and how she you know says that she saw Christine with them. He doesn't want to hear any of this, of course. He's you know he, he's concerned about her, but it's that like very 1970s male concern of you know well we got to get you right and you know we don't need this to you know make things spiral out of control or anything. It's it's yeah he kind of sucks he, just a little bit in this scene but he has this like this bemusement about him like that like she brings up laura and she's like 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 this interaction with these sisters has just like 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 she's just cool with it like she's accepted the death mm -hmm. now like she's 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 moving past it and he's he's like surprised that like she can just be like over it um, yeah and I mean, that, that's one of like the really like big things about this movie is the he will just never be able to get over this yeah he wants to be able to deal with this death in his own very very specific way and you know how how dare she <laughs> find yeah. any solace but he, in, he just he just doesn't want he just doesn't want to confront it at like, yeah, he just wanted yeah, to just right. like put it behind him and just try to like go on and like that's that's not gonna work, my dude. <laughs> no, no, that's gonna cause some major problems down the road for you, buddy. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, in this conversation, he's just he seems very pleased that at least she's happy and yeah, you know, that she's okay, and that yeah. he's gonna be like, okay, well, we can go home. Yep. So on their way home, um, the, the boat that they're in has to make its way around this area that's blocked off because of a homicide investigation. And this is our first little hint that uh, strange things are afoot in Venice. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, as they kind of move away from that, she forces him to stop at this church so that she can say a prayer. 
He is not pleased because they're already late to this meeting that he has with the bishop. So this is something I didn't notice in this um, in this part of the movie. I I, I saw it. It was pointed out in a, a a little thing on the editing that the Criterion YouTube had put out. Uh, you uh, did you notice the funeral barge in this scene from the end of the movie? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they they pan by it, and like at the t- when you when you watch it for the first time, you don't think anything of it. It's just this black mm-hmm. boat, these gold trimmings or whatever, and like you know when it's it's a thing that you watch it the second time and uh, you start to uh, the the premonitions are like much more in the movie than I thought they were. It's 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 really it's really cool. Yeah, it's definitely a film that rewards repeat viewings from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. It's um, but yeah, yeah, it's definitely there. Um, they, they pop into the church and she, um, you know, gets some, uh, change off of him so she can light a few candles there. And as she's six praying, candles. Yeah. Yeah. She, six she's can that's a lot of candles. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's, uh, kind of making it rain there for that church. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, and while she's praying, uh, John, thinks that he sees the sisters kind of uh, roaming around the church and maybe they were there. I don't know, but you get that really eerie um, bit of um, Heather, the the psychic sister kind of uh, floating on by and she lets out this eerie little sigh, this ah! and mm-hmm. makes me think of yeah. uh, evil dead Two after uh, Ash's girlfriend is uh, turned into a deadite. And uh, he has to chop her apart and bury her when she comes back and she her corpse does this little dance outside. The and, dance, then her, yeah. and then her body just kind of flies off and you hear her going. That's <laughs> <laughs> exactly what I thought of in that bit. It's 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 um, weird. It's very weird, yeah, but I, but I like is. it. Um, and John's like covering his face just so they maybe won't recognize him or something, or, you know, just maybe just trying to, you know, hide the situation from himself in some ways, because he doesn't want to face whatever is going on. But, uh, but yeah, that's where, um, Laura pops up behind him and calls him a hypocrite because she thinks he's sitting there praying. Um, yeah. And, and at this point he's like, we're already an hour and a half late. We got to go. Um, cause they're off to go see the Bishop. Um, I, I like the Bishop character quite a bit. He's, he's kind of, yeah, it, this was interesting. Cause I, when I finished the movie, I had a lot of like, just like that character was strange and I had to spend a lot of time thinking about like why he's there and what kind of like what the movie intends with the character and upon like reflecting and thinking about the film, I think I like the character a lot more. Yeah. He's kind of stern, but, um, but he's just seems incredibly supportive of John and Laura. Um, Mm -hmm. even though he seems like he couldn't give two shits about the church that's being restored. Um, I think he just has other things in his mind. <laughs> it's it's this weird thing where he constantly like reassures John, like I care about this church. It means a lot. And then John's always complaining about just like, he won't give me enough money to rebuild the church. And I, so I think that that's sort of like, um, I think that plays into like the theme of the film, right? Because John is spending all this time trying to restore this dead thing, this thing that's yeah. already burnt out. 
and and the, the priest is like look man we can we can like fix it up to a certain extent or whatever but it's not going to be the way that it was or whatever and i think that that's you know john uh wants his daughter back and that's just not going to happen yeah yeah that's is perfectly put uh i think it's at this point that the bishop asks laura if she's a christian and she's like mm-hmm. uh, well, you know i'm kind to animals and children and that's yeah, that's perfect that's be kind to animals yeah. and children please um but that, that uh, was a line that like i reflected on a lot thinking about what the movie means and i so i think what th- it's more asking is like um because so did you, did you get the impression that like um it's talked about like the second sight or whatever like the 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 premonitions and like the 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 spiritual connection whatever it is i think the priest is supposed to be implied that he also has it because there's yeah. that scene it towards the end of the movie where he wakes up during mm-hmm. all of the stuff and there's the red light there and stuff and so i think what what he's really more of asking is like are you a, like are you a Christian? like are you a believer right and like that like this thing is like it's like the belief or whatever it can be like the psychic stuff or it can be like your connection with like god like the priest has i think that that's sort of kind of what the movie's trying to imply with it that works for me um yeah um they kind of part ways because the bishop i guess you know he's got bishop shit to do (laughs) you know yeah Uh, he's got he's got something to do he's like look guys i stood around for an hour and a half okay like yeah yeah, we got a lot of time. <laughs> Busy man. Yep, yep. And uh, it, it's uh, here where we find out that they're going to be going to stay with him before too long. Um, I didn't yeah. quite catch what that was all about in my first uh, viewing or two uh, of the film, just because. Um, well, th- there there's a lot that you could easily miss in this film, but yeah, this um, film is just throwing stuff out for you. Like yeah. it's never gonna just it's never going to like look at you and be like, pay attention to this. Right. Right. But it definitely rewards careful attention because, uh, it's revealed later on that. Yeah. Because winter is approaching and the tourist season is basically done. Uh, the, the hotel that they're at is going to be shutting down for the winter and they're going to be staying with the Bishop then. Um, but yeah, um, that that's where the Bishop departs and they go to head back to their hotel um and this is where we get you know what we were talking about before them uh you know she goes to take a bath he ends up taking a shower eventually they're just kind of like hanging around naked in the hotel there's the funny little bit where the uh uh the maid comes in with some linens and he's sitting there naked at his drawing table um and uh ultimately yeah there's the love scene that's uh like we talked about kind of intercut with them getting ready for dinner um and it's just you know a very very frank uh and tender series of scenes of just you know a married it's, couple it's being a married such... couple because i had always heard about this movie as for like the two things that you always hear about the ending scene which is like one of the yeah. you know the best twists in horror history or whatever and then like this sex scene which is like so controversial this sex scene um that like rumors 
that like it was an unsimulated sex scene right. that they actually had sex or whatever. And when you watch it, it's like not erotic or anything. Like it's very like loving and it's mm-hmm. very like passionate and like um I think I think it's meant to imply that this is like the first time that they've had sex since their daughter died. Yeah, like, I would not be shocked if that were the case in this story. Um, yeah, it's um, yeah, things are kind of turning around for her a little bit, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, they. I, I like often in these types of movies, like you know, a married couple and their kid dies or whatever. It's always like that, like the couple hate each other now. And it's like about like the disillusion of a marriage or whatever. I like that in this movie, they just like, they've got a good relationship. They love each other. And there's just like, things are different now. Like it's, it's just like the, the grief is just the thing in between them. It's not like that. Like they hate each other now. Yeah. You don't spend the better part of two hours watching a marriage crumble. It's, um, yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's just like this, like, there's just like this hammer hanging over them that just feels like it's about to drop right, anytime. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. And, um, I, I think that's maybe a little bit reflective of when the film was made, maybe, uh, just yeah. because, you know, you, you see a lot of relationship stuff in films, um, of the more modern era. Uh, where, yeah, things suck. Things are, you know, really real as far as how bad things are with a couple. Yeah. Because it's not, you know, a situation where that kind of stuff is swept under the rug, maybe, and everything is all hunky-dory. But in this film, it really is pretty good for them, for the most part. Yeah, like, they... They, they like like I said, if they feel like one of the most genuine couples you've ever seen on on screen before. Oh yeah, and like yeah, it's not like you're watching Marriage Story or anything where you're just right. watching this couple fight and argue and bicker all the time. It's just like they love each other, and they're just like John feels uncomfortable that she's like. The, the way you would if your wife started talking about seances and stuff, you're like, right, okay, well, right. let's slow down, maybe like, you know, obviously, you know, our daughter died. Maybe you're feeling a little, you know, trauma from that or whatever. But yeah, it's not like they're like they hate each other now or anything. No, no, I, I, I appreciate that. It's it's something you don't see in a lot of these kind of movies. Yeah, it's very refreshing. Um, yeah, love it. Couldn't be better. <laughs> so yeah. they. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so they depart for dinner. Uh, the hotel staff looks absolutely crestfallen that they won't be eating with them, probably because they're the last people staying in this hotel, and they got to stay open for just a couple of more days, and they're not making any money. Um, but, God, it's like somebody you know shot their dog or something. They look so sad. Um, yeah. And as they're heading off to dinner, they kind of lose themselves in the alleys of Venice. And uh, John seems to recognize this dead end that they found themselves in. And there's rats and they spook, um, they, they, they spook Laura. And uh, that's where we catch this flash of a familiar looking figure in red. And mm-hmm. we see that another murder has clearly happened because they stumble upon yet another crime scene. 
Cool. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like all the all the murders happen on the water, like yep. it's like r- like right off the canals or whatever, and like the the way Venice is shot in this movie is is so like because I mean Venice is like I mean you know when you watch Spider Man Far From Home or whatever, it's <laughs> this beautiful city. Yeah, and he makes it so foreboding and just like creepy. Like it's this maze with all this water around in your. Yeah. It's just like a different look at this city that every time, other okay. time that I've seen it, it's nothing been, but just like, Oh my God, this looks like the coolest place ever. Right. Right. Happy tourist time is usually every other movie. Uh, even Casino yeah. Royale. Right. Uh, yeah. but, uh, yeah, you even get that shot in this film of uh, them walking down a dark alley and they comment about how it's a dark alley. And <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, like you said, very foreboding. Um, so we cut to the next day from here where uh, John spies the sisters uh, looking at him and Laura as he oversees the placement of a statue um, over a doorway in this church. Um, it's this horrible gargoyle type thing that he's got his face mashed into for a good portion of this mm-hmm. scene. And he's like precariously perched on the a couple of ladders. It's like, he almost falls a couple of times. Um, yeah. it, there, there's not a lot of safety gear that they're using. It's this, no, this I, approved. <laughs> yeah. The, the real villain of this movie is unsafe working conditions. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> So I, I think it's at this moment that uh, Laura kind of notices that the sisters are there and she walks off after mm-hmm. them. Um, and let's see here. She talks with them a little bit more about her daughter and uh, Heather proclaims that John has the gift and that's how he foresaw his daughter's demise. Um Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she had told them then that, yeah, he just kind of got up and ran outside for really no reason. And that's how he ended up finding her. Um, and boy, howdy, does he have the gift? Because so much of what he sees in this film is not going to uh, be good for him. Um, so yeah. they they invite the couple for tea and maybe a seance, maybe. And um he. As soon as she walks in, she's pouring shots of whiskey. I don't, yep. I don't know what kind of tea they're drinking. Yep, yep. Um, that's okay. Uh, that's okay. Whiskey works. Um, that's one of like the weirdest details of this movie. When I walk in, she she walks in and immediately just like drink this shot of whiskey. Yep. Um. Yeah. John's kind of disapproving of all of this, and this is where we get that bit that you were talking about, where we cut yeah. to the sisters cackling maniacally in their hotel. It's, um, it's so creepy. Yeah. Yeah. You think they're witches or something. It, that's the feeling you get from a scene it, like you, this. It's like the, the Rosemary's baby kind of feeling of like, Oh yeah. In that movie of like, like, yes. yeah, these weird or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So creepy. <laughs> the year is one. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, he just tells her, well, you know, go fuck off with the sisters then. And he kind of storms off and, Mm -hmm. uh, it's funny because she goes to their hotel and, uh, they offer her that whiskey and she never drinks it. Meanwhile, he's off in a bar somewhere getting hammered. Um, and, uh, yeah, we kind of cut back and forth, uh, between, uh, the hotel room and John kind of wandering around. Um, 
and yeah he's he's drinking at a bar and then like well like this the seance gets going which is a creepy ass scene yeah. like the, the the blind sister just like acting her ass off in this movie mm-hmm. yeah it's like giving it all she's got great just yeah, absolutely so great um also the blind sister um you know, other than the uh, the goofy socks at the end, has just an awesome fashion sense with uh, all yeah, her, her like, jacket. She's wearing like this leather jacket this entire time. This purple scarf tied around her head. Yeah, she dresses yeah. for being blind. She's got great fashion sense. Yeah, yeah. hired a good stylist, I guess. Yeah, well, that's probably just her sister, but uh, <laughs> but all her sister doesn't dress very well. No, no, she has she's weird ass brooches and stuff. Right, right. Well, she spends all her money on uh, her sister's wardrobe then. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, yeah, they kind of get going with their little seance thing. And I'm kind of unclear where John stumbles off to. Is it their hotel? Yeah. So I had to kind of look into this and kind of figure out what's going on. Because um, so one really interesting thing that this movie does is, you know, it's obviously set in Italy. People are speaking Italian. You don't get any subtitles for those things. I think that that's intended to play along with the um, communication is a theme in the movie and this like Mm -hmm. lack of being able to communicate. So the audience also doesn't get to understand the Italian. And so what's happening is, is John goes to their hotel room and is like sneaking around trying to see what's going on in the seance and these guys uh, think that he's a peeping Tom. Right. And they come out and harass him and like talk shit to him and stuff. Yep. They, yeah, they kind of yeah. chase him off. I, I also love the, the whole thing of walking into a building and just yeah. having to ring a bell to get some type of attendance uh, attention. Uh, Cause that happens multiple times. And um, mm-hmm. the way he's ringing this thing and is clearly a little loaded. Um, yeah, that's it's just He's really crazy. ringing the hell out of that. Bell. Yeah, oh yeah, he is. But yeah, um, and then he decides he decides to walk behind the desk and go through the the book to see what room. The okay, that's what in. that was. Yeah, that makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, he kind of gets chased. Yeah, this off. movie, this movie will not spoon feed you anything. It's like no, you better pick up what putting down, or you're not going to figure it out. Yes. Yes. Um, again, can't wait for that 4k disc because, uh, you know, maybe I'll, I, I'm going to have to wait for a half off sale for sure. But yeah, um, yeah, this isn't, this isn't one where I feel like I need to get it right away, but man, this movie's going to look so good in 4k. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can't wait to pour over it just a little bit more. Um, so yeah, John leaves the hotel then, and meanwhile, Heather's having some kind of a fit, uh, and John goes back to the bar to drink a little more, and uh, Laura leaves and uh, finds him, and she's chastising him for his drinking, and uh, back at the hotel, um, she tells him about Heather's warning uh, to leave Venice well, ostensibly a warning from their dead daughter, Christine, to leave Venice. Mm-hmm. And John is sick. And she's like, yeah, you yep. better not get sick. And then he goes and throws up. And he's like, I haven't thrown up in 10 years. Yeah, uh, well, you, you got yourself good and loaded because you're. Yeah, yeah you've been drinking all night. Yep, exactly. Um, so, yeah, he's not doing so well. And 
she is pressuring him that they need to leave. He's a little bit of a drunken ass. Um, you know, she talks about being ill and, uh, you know, maybe needing to see her doctor again. I love how all she's doing is just trying to placate him at this point. You know, I, I don't think she honestly yeah. really believes that she's in such a bad way because, you know, she's like, you know, maybe I'll start taking my pills again. And he's like, yeah, yeah great. They're right over there at the table. And he goes and he pours her some water and hands it right to her. And, you know, of course, she uh, she palms it's the pill. It's such an interesting because the movie is like wants you to kind of be on his side, although obviously, you know, it's like we're seeing a bit of the ghosts of the daughter or whatever. So you do know something supernatural is happening, but like. It's it's interesting because he's just like. I think his reactions are like understandable when she's talking about like our daughter is warning us of the thing. He's like, she's dead. Like yeah it's his it's so so what's interesting about this movie is that he feels like she's not willing to confront like that their daughter is dead or whatever but really what's going on is that's what he's doing that he's seeing all this stuff he's experiencing this grief and he refuses to like accept that it's real yeah he's projecting a lot of these uh things onto her ultimately yeah yeah um yeah, I, I I absolutely love that she palms the pill and then hides it in her yeah. sleeve, um, because she's like, no, motherfucker, <laughs> we know what's going on. We're just gonna let you sleep it off, and uh, or this conversation is gonna be done. Um, and yeah, uh, we cut to the middle of the night then, and their phones ringing because it's a call from their kids' boarding school. Oh yeah, that's right. They have another kid. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, little Johnny's had an accident. Um, I, I, God, first few times I saw this movie, I completely missed that. He's like in a bed off to the side of the room and he's got this giant goose egg on his forehead. Um, yeah, it's like glittery and just like, it's, it's so funny. Yeah. His face is just like glistening with sweat and tears. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they're like, you know, he's okay. He's okay. We we took him to the hospital. We ran some tests. He's good. He's good. But we need to let you know. Uh, what time is it there, by the way? It's like, come yeah. on, guys. Really? <laughs> come on. Um, but yeah, and at this point, as much as she wants to get out of Venice, um, yeah. Oh, and, and that's also something that I, I kind of glossed over where uh, the conversation where she's doing everything she can to kind of put him at ease. She asks him if he can take some time off from this project to yeah. spend with her. And mm-hmm. yeah, he seems not happy about it in that no. moment. But no. late, late he's, a, he's obsessed with restoring this dead thing. He yeah. had to do it. But he really comes around on this idea of uh, taking some time away from it in the following scenes. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I think chalk it up to him just being drunk and uh, in a foul mood, I think. But yeah, I mean, as much as he is obsessed about this, he loves his wife. He wants to make sure she's doing okay. Um, So, yeah. uh, Uh, To to get back to the uh, the scene, uh, because I I, want to hammer this home because I I think this is like intentional. But like the uh, the headmaster of the school calling, uh, calling them 
and like you can't understand a single thing the guy's saying he's just like babbling on and he's like in like i i think it's it i think it's like an intentional thing of like men can't communicate and the the woman at the school has to take the phone from him to like be like look this is what's going on (laughs) no that's absolutely perfect and i love that um but yeah yeah she does and lays it out for them and you know they're like oh crap well I gotta get on a flight to, you know, and they're like telling her, no, you don't have to come. Everything's good. And, and uh, you know, Laura yeah. already spooked with uh, the warning from Heather. Uh, it's like, yeah, I got to get out of here and you need to come with me as soon as you possibly can. And, yeah. you know, of course he does the, you know, 1970s guy thing. And he's like, I'm going to stick around because of work until I can come instead of just hopping on a plane with her right then and there to go check on your kid. Um, but yeah, he sends this her off. On- like the tough things about this movie is it's hard to tell if they're like, if it's just like a normal thing for these kind of like well-off parents to like put their kids in boarding school at the time, or if it's in, supposed to mean that they're sort of like distant parents. Like, I can't tell what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, Yeah, I, I guess I don't know how to feel about that either. It's, um, you know, if, if it was this kid, maybe the kids always were in uh, boarding school and they were just home for the holidays or yeah. something when this accident happened. Because um, for some reason, that scene at the beginning of the film feels kind of Christmassy to me. But um, it, yeah, it feels like late fall, maybe early winter. Yeah. Um, but maybe the kids always went off to school. Maybe he's just in boarding school because of course, you know, they got to go to Venice for his work. And, you know, it, it seems like she also does some type of of support work for the work that he does. Like almost. Yeah. Cause she's always around the church as well. Yeah. And she was doing stuff with helping to like organize the slides and stuff in the beginning of the film. Right. So, right. You know, maybe just because they were both going to be so involved with this project and it's like, yeah, do we really want to spend the money to, you know, take care of three people abroad? Um, I don't yeah. Know. But you had uh, to send your kid to Italian school. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, they do a pretty decent job with their Italian until they don't. That part's a little bit inconsistent, but uh I chalk up I mean, the scenes. I don't speak Italian, so I can't really tell if they're like doing a good job of speaking it or they not. Seem to John's get by. certainly like, yeah, he's he's doing a little bit. Yeah, they seem to get by really well, except for those scenes kind of towards the end. Um, you know, where he's like at yeah. the uh, the sisters' hotel and they've already moved on, but yeah. he can't spit out what he's trying to say. So. I don't yeah. know. Either the film's just inconsistent with it, or it's the stress of the situation causing him to have troubles uh, with language. Again, the the trouble with communication, right? Uh, yeah. But uh, <laughs> so yeah, she flies back to England, and like shortly after she takes off, um, he heads to the church to do a little work and. Uh, you know, the bishop understands that he needs to head back home for a while as well. And it, the way that the bishop says this to him, it's almost like, why, 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 
why did you not go with her? Yeah. It's, it's your kid. It's, but again, understanding that he needs to spend some time away as well. Um, yeah, it's funny though. It, and it just kind of endures me to the, the Bishop, uh, again as well. Um, and yeah. this is where, um, the Bishop gives him these pieces for the, the mosaic, uh, that they're repairing. Uh, and John heads up into the scaffolding, the most rickety scaffolding ever to deal with this. And, uh, there's a little bit of an accident that nearly kills him. That seems to go on for quite some time. I gotta say, yeah, yeah there's that, there was something in the rafters that falls through the little, um, little like uh gondola that he's, uh, suspended yeah, he, in they just have this thing that's like held up like you see like these like five guys holding on to it to keep it up while he's standing on it right. and it's it's just like so like like you look at it like why would you ever stand on that that's like the most dangerous thing i've ever seen yeah they have to lower him down a little bit once he gets into it and i'm thinking to myself yeah. Don't you have like a cleat or something that you can tie this line off on um, so that you don't have to have the five guys standing there holding the rope right. while he's up there trying to work on this thing? It would certainly keep things a little steadier if you could tie that off. But eh, I don't know. It's um, interesting how this thing, whatever it is, it's like a board or something like that, that yeah. falls uh, and it crashes through this glass uh, that's. It, uh, on this little uh, contraption and just smashes the shit out of it. And, you know, he's left dangling on a rope. Um, mm -hmm. And you've got everybody and their brother trying to kind of get him in there. And, you know, you got the, the poor Bishop on the ground. Everybody's dropping shit that nearly hits him. Uh, like they're trying to use this pole push john out so he can swing back and swing back and then yeah, somebody so drops funny. the fucking ball and it yeah. nearly hits the bishop um but they do eventually reel him in and um everyone is quite relieved <laughs> yeah and, and uh, this is this is why we have workplace regulations yep yep that's uh why you don't you know build your operation in a hollowed out volcano with no stair rails on your stairs yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, he survives and, uh, Bishop and, uh, John, they go for a walk and, uh, John tells him about the warning to leave Venice. And, uh, I love the line that the Bishop says about how he wishes that he didn't have, he himself did not have to believe in prophecy. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, I, I like that a lot. I think that I think that speaks to s sort of what I, how I feel about the movie about like the the religious aspects of like the supernatural are like the same as what the sisters, you know, their, their sort of psychic beliefs and stuff that like because John's like, yeah, I, like the, they, they told me just about this, like they had a prophecy and he's just like, yeah, uh, I believe in that shit for sure. Yeah, it's. um, Yeah, one of those things where. Uh, as a man of faith, the bishop is like, yeah, prophecy is, yeah, I, I got to yeah. believe, and this is going to come true, whereas, you know, you wonder from John's perspective, you know, is all of this stuff, all of, the, all of these premonitions, 
are these all things that are ultimately going to come true? Are they destined to come true or are these things that can be changed? Um, yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. So this is where, uh, the, the, the Bishop tells John that his dad died in a fall. Yeah. John's John's son just like had a fall at school and now John's had a fall. It's this, the, the way the movie plays with like, you know, like time is a flat circle or whatever. It's just like all it's all happening at the same time. Yep. Yeah. I like it a lot. Uh, they finish yeah. their walk as they come upon yet another crime scene where they're fishing mm-hmm. a body out of the water. Um, oof. yeah, that doesn't look great. Does yeah. it? Um, yeah, this is maybe the only part of the movie that doesn't look very good in HD. Like uh, that, that is not a body that that my friend is a mannequin. <laughs> yeah, not until they get it onto the boat. Then, 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 then it's a little bit more like a body. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's um, yeah. Uh, so John goes back to the hotel to pack up and uh, he finds a maid dropping a deuce in uh, the uh, bathroom there. That was fun. She puts down the magazine that she was reading very yeah. gingerly and steps out after apologizing. I, I think it's, it's the same maid that walked in on him earlier. So it's like a reversal of the roles, right? That's perfect. Uh, also yeah. the maid looks a lot like the, um, the, uh, the cop, uh, from later when, um, mm-hmm. someone is being held at the police station. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, he goes back to the hotel to finish packing up and, um, yeah, because, uh, he's got to have all of his stuff moved to the Bishop's place. And, um, this is, uh, he leaves the hotel and he gets on a boat and that's where he sees his wife and the sisters on another boat and he's calling out to her and they're all dressed in black and, um, yeah. And they they're on the, res- the black boat that I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. Yep. And, uh, they don't respond to him and he kind of gives chase, uh, through the canals, kind of loses track of them. He, uh, goes back to the hotel and everybody at the hotel is like, what the fuck? We thought you were gone. We're, we're closed now. And, you know, the guy in the lobby is trying to eat a sandwich. Um, <laughs> He, he uh, walks into the manager's little apartment and the guy's hair is like all out of control. And he's like, dude, this is my vacation now. I'm done with you. It's oh. closed. We're closed. Yeah. Yeah. You left, right? Everybody left. <laughs> your, your wife flew back home. It's we're good now, right? Um, yeah. So he realizes, yeah, the manager's uh, not going to be very helpful there. Um and John kind of walks the empty streets lost in thought. And he found, he finds this drowned baby doll. That's oof, mm-hmm. nice touch there. Creepy. Uh-huh. Uh, and at this point, he's just kind of convinced that the sisters have something nefarious in mind. And, um, he goes to the police and he has some sketches of them drawn up. Um, and then goes to speak with, uh, a detective. And I, I, I love this this hallway and you know, it it almost looks like the doors aren't even labeled and he just finds this guy's office by listening uh, for the typewriter. uh, That's uh, you know, just uh, tapping away there. Um, But they have this very, very poetic conversation 
Um, and you know, while he's uh, talking about the sisters, the detective is looking out the window at these two women walking along who very well could be the sisters. Um, I think they are. I think yeah, they are them. It, it's um, it, one of those things where it's clear that one of them is probably blind. They have a very similar build, but you never see yeah. their faces either. Or um, at the very least, that it's it's supposed to be like the detective being like, yeah, like the, like there's just two women all over the place. Like, what what do you want me yeah. to do? Exactly. Um, yeah, and, and a lot of the conversation is about well, your wife's back in town, so so what? Yeah, it's yeah. She, she'll come and like, find what are you, you. Afraid of? Yeah, yeah. What is it that you fear? He asks. Yeah. Um, yeah. And John, I, I don't think he quite, once again, the problem where he just can't communicate, he, mm-hmm. he has a hard time getting it out there. That Yeah, he's just like generally, generally worried about yeah. like there's this murder on the loose and these women and his wife. And he's just like, it's just weird. <laughs> yep. And, uh, yeah, the, the detective ultimately is like, well, you know, go home, but also, you know, maybe look around for her a little bit and see if you can, you know, maybe find these sisters. And, uh, I don't think John quite realizes that he's giving him this assignment to do to sort of rule yeah. him out to, you know, rule him out as a suspect in the disappearance yeah. of his own wife. Because next thing you know, he's being tailed by another detective. Yeah, like as soon as John leaves the room, the detective picks up his phone and is like, mm-hmm. you need to follow this dude right now. Yep, exactly. Because I am very concerned about him. Um, so, What's, yeah. well, So an interesting thing I read is that like the actor playing the detective didn't speak English at all. They taught him the lines by sound. He didn't know what he was saying. So there is this like, their conversation is so weird and broken. And that's part of like, why? Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. What is your fear? That's, but yeah, it, mm. I, I do very much love the way that that plays out. Um, yeah. it's, it's very unnerving. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, we get the other detective then following him through all these empty alleyways. And, um, uh, John's on this bridge and he looks down at the reflection of some red laundry, uh, in the water below. And you get that flash of his daughter running, uh, in the water. Um, and he looks up and he sees this red clad figure, um, off in the distance, kind of standing and peeking out from around a corner at him and, uh, quickly disappears. And, he uh, tears off after it um, and, you know, searches all the different alleyways and everything and no luck. Meanwhile, the detective is still after him and um, uh, the detective pops into this bar to make a phone call and report on what's he's, what he's found. And this is where John um, pops into the, uh, the, well, now former residence of the sisters uh, and he's having an awful time getting the, uh, the, the, the managers there to understand what he's looking for. Uh, they, they know that he needs to see a specific room, but, uh, 
other than that, you know, they don't really understand him and, um, they, you know, take him to the room and it's, it's empty. It's, it's clearly where the sisters are staying, but they've already gone. Uh, and it's at this point that the uh, detective that's been following him just walks in behind him and is like, yeah, murder squad. As he shows him his badge, there's yeah. Something kind of unsettling about the name of the group that you're with, with the police that it's called the murder squad, the murder squad. I understand it's a translation thing, but also, wow, that's unsettling. Um, especially if you think your wife is missing. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He reveals himself and, uh, we know that the sisters have gone somewhere else. In fact, I think we get a flash of, uh, Wendy, uh, at their new place, like, Telling somebody off screen that, oh yeah, this is going to be perfect. And, and again, you get that feeling from these little snippets that again, they're like grifters of some sort and they're just moving on something. They're just weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we didn't really talk about it before, but they have all those, like the pictures of these children and like this bust mm -hmm. that like. Yeah, they're like you, deceased they family members or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um again, super unsettling. Yeah. Um Weird. yeah. General unease. Um so yeah, John goes to speak with the bishop at this point and he's got to wait because the bishop is in this meeting. The meeting that the bishop is in, you got this um you know, other priest there with him who's doing priest shit. And, uh, you've got this lady who's just sitting in front of them looking extra yeah. uncomfortable. And yeah, I don't know what's going on there, but you feel uncomfortable because of it. <laughs> it's yeah, it's great. <laughs> Very effective. It's, 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 it's so weird. Yep. So while John is waiting, he asks to make, you know, one of the most expensive phone calls ever to England. Um, and they're like, fill out this form. <laughs> I, I noticed that for the first time here that they have yeah. him fill out a form to make the phone call. Yeah, yeah um, you can't call collect or anything like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he gets a hold of um, the, the the matron from the school, and she's like, yeah, everything's good. And then finally he realizes, yeah, his wife is there. And yeah. again, the, they just do not understand each other in these phone calls because everybody's trying to talk over everybody else. And yeah, um, Laura's fine. Johnny's fine. She wants to come back and see him. You know, she's more at ease now about the warning to get out of Venice because, you know, she knows that her kid's fine. And, you know, she's like, well, I, I believe doesn't, doesn't he tell her about the fall he had at work? Um, and am I remembering that right? Because I, I believe I believe he brings it up, and then she's like, "That must," or maybe they're talking about their son's fall. But he's like, "That must have been the thing that the they were talking. That's the danger they were talking about." Yeah, I think that's what it is. That um, yeah, yeah, because the kid is fine. Yeah, things 
sound like they're good. And she's like, and, and I'm fine. Honestly, John, I'm, I'm doing okay. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm going to come back. I'm going to take, you know, late night flight here. Uh, I'll be back in time. We can go for a late dinner. And, and again, just them kind of talking at each other and not really to each other. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, but I, I think they both kind of put each other at ease at this point. And, uh, so he gets off the phone and the Bishop comes out and, um, I forget exactly what their conversation is at this point. Um, oh yes. Uh, uh John realizes, uh, that he's made a terrible mistake and he goes running off to the police station where you find poor Heather or poor yeah. Heather in this dark, dark cell with this female officer. Um, and she's, she's like, so I, confused. I don't like being here at the police station. The horrible sounds that I've heard while I'm here. Oh God, you feel so bad for her. Uh, apparently, uh, her sister, Wendy has gone to the British consulate to try to get some help, uh, because they don't understand why they've been, you know, arrested. Um, they're, they're in a bad way. <laughs> and I, I also love how John just kind of, kind of bursts right into this police station, goes right to the cell and is talking to her and is like, yeah, can I take her home? And they're like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> it's- yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, th- th- things were a lot more lax back in the day. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. 50 years ago, it was a different time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. But yeah, he offers to walk her home because he feels horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, after what he's put these poor women through, especially Heather. Um, so he apologizes profusely and, uh, they make their way through the canals there and, she kind of gets all poetic about the city and how she loves it there because she can walk very easily because of, uh, you know, the way that sound works in all these alleyways and the canals, she can really tell where she's at, but her sister just absolutely hates it. Um, and as they're walking along, she has this line where she goes, we're almost there. And Mm -hmm. I I love how that's, you know, sure. We're almost back to our hotel, but also it's almost one of these. Yeah. We're almost there as in all of Mm -hmm. the things that I, yeah. All of the things that I have been seeing and that you potentially have been seeing are coming to a head. Um, yeah, we're almost there. Um, so, uh, let's see here. We, we get back to their hotel and I am just shocked when they get to the door and Wendy's there that Wendy isn't any more pissed than she appears. Yeah. After yeah no, they're, every, they're, they're very chill about it. Yeah. Yeah. This, it, oh, it was a mild inconvenience, I guess, getting carted off to jail and, uh, having to go down to the British consulate for help. Um, but, uh, uh, this is where Laura gets back to Venice and, uh, Oh wait, I just, I just want to point out that, uh, oh. as soon as they walk into the, 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 uh, oh. the hotel, she immediately goes, get him a shot of whiskey. Yep. 
<laughs> yeah. Yes. You're absolutely right. They, party. Yeah, they got like a little uh, airplane bottle of Johnny Walker Red. I see. Um, <laughs> so anytime somebody goes in their house, they're like, "We're gonna, we're gonna do shots." Yeah, yeah. It's whiskey a go go at uh, Heather and Wendy's. Um, so yeah, uh, Laura gets back to Venice, and uh, at the airport, there's a guy waiting for her, and I love how the name is misspelled on the. Uh, on the yeah. card and it's, it's not Baxter it's Baxter um sure um and uh the guy's uh, giving her a ride of course by boat and she realizes that they're going the wrong way and he's like no no your husband's at the police station that's where we're going mm-hmm. um and yeah uh we cut back to uh the sisters and John and um and then back to I think Laura at the police station where so, the the head detective is uh, on the back of the sketch of one of the sisters writing down the sister's address and she's like you don't need this and he's like no it's not important yeah he's like it doesn't even look like it he's like it doesn't matter <laughs> yep it's and it's that exact kind of tone too and I love yeah. it for that it's like. Yeah, doesn't matter. We're everything's cool. Everybody is so laid back in this film. Yeah, and it's, I, I just Italy, man. Yeah, you just you, you take, just kind of take naps in the middle of the day yeah. there. You know, I just I want to live there fifty years ago, please. Yeah. Um. Oh uh, God. Uh. So yeah, they give her the address and um back at uh, the hotel. Uh, Heather starts kind of having this uh, fit just as John is about to leave. And he's like, yeah, I, I, I got to get out of here. And he steps out as uh, Heather is crying out for him not to go. And it's a very odd phrasing of that. Yeah. Uh, let him not go. Let him yeah. not go. Yeah. Uh, I also want to point out John uh John asked them for a glass of water, much like the glass of water he had before his daughter died. That's uh yes, also true. Parallels. Yeah. Parallels. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she's having this fit, calling out, and he's like, It's yeah, very just- very scary. It's yeah. it's like it it like like I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mention David Lynch again because it has that quality of like like the more upsetting weirdness of like uh Mulholland Drive or like um the like the like the simulation is showing through in like Lost Highway right of just like a, all of a sudden a character just starts acting so weird that it's just uh just upsetting yeah yeah and yeah. um. He runs out and just starts walking off to, um, I, I guess his, uh, goal is heading back to the Bishop's place, but, uh, we get the little stinger of, um, little musical stinger, which mm-hmm. is very weird. And, uh, you see the figure in red kind of scuttling off, um, and then Wendy runs outside the hotel calling after John, but he's too far away and we yep. get hurried footsteps and it's Laura running around the corner. Um, and, uh, Wendy just kind of hustles her upstairs. Heather, uh, tells her that she's got to find John and warn him. 
Uh, this is where we get the bishop snapping awake and turning on his yep. light and looking at the uh, candle and the little red uh, votive holder. Um, uh, God, that's cool. Um, and Laura runs off in search of John. Um, and then John, of course, sees the figure in the red coat and gives chase as there's a man shouting in the background. And I don't speak Italian. I don't understand Italian, but I'm assuming this is yet another murder scene that the figure that's, in red is running off from. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's just like all of a sudden there's all these other people around and everybody's just panicking. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the, the, the person in red is looking like they're trying to get away from something too. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's see here. Yeah. John finds the figure calls off after them. Um, you got the shouting in the background. Everybody's trying to climb over all these gondolas in this fairly tight uh, canal. Um, and John uh, gets to this gate that the figure runs through and he locks it behind him to keep them from uh, being able to get away. Um, you know, I, I don't know if he truly thinks that this is his daughter or not, but uh, I think he does. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, he, I, he's I, like, I, think, I think he's not only locking the gate to keep them in. I think he's also locking it to keep everybody else out. Yeah. So he can have that opportunity to speak with her, yeah. I guess. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, he locks the gate and pursues the figure, the mist on the ground. Oh in, my God. It's so cool. And the fact that he knows which direction the, the character is taking off in because he can follow the swirling mist. Yeah. Um, but it looks so and good. The, the camera shots are just like, you get these weird like Dutch angles, like from above and stuff. Uh-huh. You just see the mist swirling. It's, oh my God. It's so yeah. good. Utterly fantastic. Um, Lara climbs over the boats as well and makes it to the gate, but she can't proceed, of course. And mm-hmm. I, I find it very interesting that she calls out for her darlings, plural. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, um, John follows the figure up some stairs because he can see the red coat in this little opening up there, and he hears this kind of whimpering. Um, and he heads up the stairs and calls out to the figure says, Hey, it's okay. It's okay. And this is where we get the iconic, uh, iconic ending here where the figure turns around. It is very much not Christine. It is a very much older little person with a knife. (laughs) And yeah. And it, the this uh she advances on john and just jams that sucker into his neck and it is pretty brutal yeah. uh um, the, the exchange that they have where john goes like wait and she goes no yeah he, he says wait again and she just shakes her head and walks up and is like yeah gets him 
Yep. And uh, we get uh, this montage in that moment of everyone freaking out. You got Heather mm -hmm. uh, back at the hotel. You've got the bishop kind of uh, waking up again uh, mm -hmm. and uh, Laura at the gate calling out. And uh, this is where John starts bleeding out. And uh, we get uh, all of the premonitions coming full circle. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, every not, not even just all the, the premonition, like because you get all these rapid cuts and not even them are all like the premonitions. It's also just like this sort of like those repeated motifs over and over again. Like you see the little boy running over the glass break as John breaks the glass with his feet. This yep. just like this feeling that it's just like. Like the like the time is a flat circle thing again, that it's just all like just like happening over and over. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, uh, we get the sisters and the unimportant son uh, accompanying Laura to John's funeral on those funeral barges. And mm -hmm. yeah, it's um, I love that the boys got this super bright red cap on again uh, with the color mm -hmm. red being uh, pretty big in this film. Um, mm -hmm. And they approach this church and uh, they step off and uh, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, we, we finally realize if it wasn't super obvious before that uh, the, the premonition that John had seen of the sisters and Laura on the boat was basically them going for his own funeral. And uh, yeah, we, we get uh, credits. Holy yeah. crap. This is a movie, man. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I've definitely got to check out some other works from this guy. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's just, it's just such, such like a thoughtful and just well-made movie of just like, you know, obviously the, the cinematography in this movie is beautiful. Like mm -hmm. you get these like, like the scene of John, like walking up the scaffolding before the fall and you get this like pivot on the camera. That's so unsettling. And mm -hmm. the editing is just this weird frantic cut, multiple things happening at the same time. Like, yeah, just, oh, there's so much going on in this well, movie. Man. Not to mention just amazing locales because it's on location mm -hmm. shooting and it's yeah. just uh, Venice looks in incredible and it's a side of the city that like we talked about you don't see that often because mm -hmm. it's the off season right and yeah. yeah it's like like these are the these are the streets the people who live in venice walk down not right. like the tourist attractions yep it's very cool um and just so well acted too it's mm -hmm. 1970s yeah. donald sutherland is oh just he, just just crushing it yep yeah, you always hear about, you know, what an ass he is to work with on a lot of movie sets, mm -hmm. and it, it almost makes that worth it, I guess. <laughs> um, He's one of those dudes who really cares about his craft. Um, yeah. So what, what I had heard was that, like, at the peak of, like, Donald Sutherland, and I guess still to this day, was that, like, one of the writers in his contract was that if he was going to do your movie, you had to agree your shooting schedule, the middle of the movie was what you'd shoot first, and then you'd shoot the beginning and end last. So that huh. way he'd have time to like get into character and feel comfortable before he shot what he thought were like the most important scenes. Interesting. 
Wow. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Like he's a dude who cares about his craft. Yeah. Well, I mean, it shows that's for sure. Um, and he's, he's, he's a good, he's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really appreciate, uh, the remake of invasion of the body snatchers that he's in, in the yeah. late seventies, yeah. uh, the, the, wow. the, the, the famous gif of the him doing the weird yeah. face. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> Pardon me. Yeah. Um, right. yeah. Stacked cast in that movie too. But, yeah. um, yeah, yeah. God, what a freaking movie this is though. Don't look now. You know, I, I mentioned how it's kind of Jalo adjacent because, of course, it is an English production. It's mm-hmm. got some of the trappings of that style of film, but at the end of the day, um, isn't quite full tilt into that subgenre. Yeah, but uh, but it's certainly it, it predates it predates most of like the big. Well, yeah, like the, the heyday of films, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was like, much like more it, like mid and later seventies big yeah. works. Yeah, but um, uh, it, the, the, the I so I haven't seen too many. I'm not not super experienced with the Jalo stuff. Like I've seen Suspiria, and that's about it. Yeah, um, and that's like a like lot of people's the, way to the genre. But uh, right, but yeah, there's uh, like the uh, music in this especially feels like mm. it's got that vibe to it. Yeah, I think if you had. Um, more from the killer's perspective, then mm-hmm. yeah, it would be a little bit more uh, of that subgenre. But uh, but yeah, uh, it's just Jalo adjacent enough that it makes me happy. Um, I love it. <laughs> so so here, here's a question. Here's a question for you, Joe. Do you find this movie scary? I find it very unsettling. Um, because yeah, most people like, I mean, so so you know. When I bring a movie on here, there's going to be an argue, a little bit of a debate about whether it qualifies <laughs> as a horror movie. Um, it's definitely I, a thriller. It's it. I, I think most people would qualify it as like a psychological or uh, um, supernatural thriller. And mm. but for for me, I find this movie to be really scary. Um, at least just in sitting with it over time and thinking about it for the last couple days. Um, like I said, like I I like I really love when horror finds ways to explore more unconventional things that like the really scary stuff in your life that isn't because, you know, I'm not afraid of monsters really. Like I'm not afraid Freddie and Jason are going to come kill me, but like what this movie is about, the idea that you'll lose somebody close to you and you'll never get over it. Like that's, that's something that when you think about it and meditate on it, that's horrifying. And really? like, yeah, this movie scares me, man. Yeah, that you could lose somebody that important and ultimately kind of lose yourself in your loss. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that, a lot that of- you just never, you just never get over it. You never confront it. And, you know, obviously, and that's what le- ultimately leads to John's death in this film is that yep. his inability to move on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it is, it is. Um, yeah. yeah, Obviously shout out to Don Sutherland and, uh, Julie Christie, but yeah, Mm -hmm. the ladies that play the sisters, they are killing it as well. It's yeah. They, they definitely have, you nailed it with, uh, that Rosemary's baby vibe, but, um, 
but yeah, yeah. And, and at the and end of the like day, those, they're, they're even good people like, too. <laughs> That's the funny thing. Like they're they're the they're the good guys. They're trying to save John in this movie, mm-hmm. and like you get those like uh the that flash of like before the fall where you get that like it reminded me of like House, like the insert of like that flash of light with the sister laughing. It reminded yeah. me of like the aunt from House. Like it's oh, it's so unsettling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm very glad that we picked this film to discuss because uh yeah. it's just a lot of fun, man. It's um you, do you have any final thoughts on Don't Look Now? Um I I I sort of just miss these like old the 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 British style of films especially where like the film is just a lot of just kind of speak for itself. They there's nobody no the director doesn't feel like you're, you know, he needs a character to explain the point of mo- the movie so you don't miss it. And just that, like, um, like it's just the filmmaking speaks for itself in this movie. And I, it's it's just really it's a, it's a really good watch. People need to check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know uh, you and uh, McKenna with HBO Max have been a little bit more on a maximum ruckus terror recently, but mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. I, I do know that you have teased uh, there's a, an HBO Max episode in the works. Uh, I'm sure by the uh, time that this is out. Nice. Nice. Uh, anything in particular that you want to hype up? I know that some of those will probably be out by the time that this posts. Yeah. So um, one that uh, we filmed yesterday was we're talking about Jurassic Park with Braden Charisma. Um, nice. I get to, yeah, I get to absolutely gush about Steven Spielberg and how amazing he is and how just great Jurassic Park is. Cause it's one of the best movies ever. Uh, absolutely. So yeah. Be on the lookout at that HBO max. And then I believe, um, we're hoping to get the interstellar episode out pretty soon. That one's been scheduling has been a bit of a, a, a hard one on that, but, um, yeah, we're, we're looking to expand some of the stuff we're doing with maximum ruckus pretty soon and hopefully that's going to be a a bigger deal than what we're doing now so yeah if uh if you're into that stuff you should check out uh at hbo max on twitter and then maximum ruckus the other podcast we do me mckenna who did an episode on this podcast that's really dope um we do stuff yeah, together all the time so yeah <laughs> all right good one. nice very nice yeah, and and if, if, if the people listen to this podcast and haven't checked out your episodes of hbo max those are i mean we did, you know, my favorite movie of all time, Blade Runner, which was awesome. And then, um, you know, another yeah, Italian themed movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Moonstruck. Yeah. Moonstruck. Uh, uh, not to mention movie. the Bone Con episode for Fight Club. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. There is just the us hanging out and talking about Fight Club for half an hour. Yeah. We even get some uh, dumb close up magic from Joe's. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, man. Um, and of course, uh, most places I know people can find you at, uh, Jose Ruckus. Um, yeah. At Jose yeah. Ruckus. Um, and then I would just plug, uh, at maximum ruckus on TikTok. That's, uh, M a K maximum ruckus. Um, that's where honestly the best content we do goes up is just the TikTok. So <laughs> yeah, check those out. Yeah. I, in all honestly, all, all honesty, I have found that um, I will absolutely get uh, so much more traffic from just little things that I clip out, but I have mm-hmm. the worst time actually forcing myself to go through and clip stuff out. Oh, um, it's a pain. 
Yeah. Yeah. When you look at an hour and a half episode and you're like, okay, what's the best one minute of this? It's, it's daunting. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But, uh, something I need to force myself to do a little bit more of, well, we'll, we'll get there. Um, but yeah, yeah, Brandon, this was a ton of fun. Uh, always happy to have you on. Uh, and it's always fun talking movies with you. So I I very much appreciate it. Uh, very much appreciate it. Um, this has been murders with Mertens, a horror film podcast. Thank you for letting us tickle your ear holes. Please like share and subscribe. If you are so inclined, I'll be back soon enough with another episode, but until next time. Stay spoopy, everyone.